0: It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad that you have chosen to join us this afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Aurora. And I'm taking your calls and your questions on this Friday afternoon. You're right, it's Friday. You're normally expecting Pastor Eric Cartier uh, to be the host, but this program is coming live to you from Colorado Springs as Pastor Eric serves the body here for the annual Refresh Pastors and Leaders and Ministry Conference being hosted right here at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs, right at the base of Pikes Peak. It's gorgeous and it's wonderful down here. But while he is serving in the the congregation that has, the many hundreds that have shown up to the Refresh Conference, I have the privilege of sitting in on this particular edition, taking your calls and your questions. So give me a call, 303 690 303 690 Or you can text me directly. Uh, it's a line for texting and texting only. It's 720-336-0897 for texting only. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. This is the show where we take your calls and your questions. Uh, we pray together. Uh, we answer Bible questions together sometimes. And what we don't do is argue. Uh, what we don't do is become hyper political. Uh, we keep things focused on Jesus to the best of our ability. Uh, if if I can't take if I if I don't know the answer to the question, I'll admit it. I'll look it up, or we'll think it through. Sometimes we even talk out loud as we're processing things, where it's not just uh, answering questions, but it's also answering questions and then learning how to get to the bottom of a question, learning how to answer questions in the future. So you're the one that drives the show. I uh, will wait for your calls to come in. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Again, it's been a, a heavy week uh, since the tragedy of the Las Vegas massacre. I read this morning that the coroner now has identified all 58 of those that lost their lives. I know there's a number of 59 that's also including the shooter, but uh, we are are remembering those that were their lives were needlessly taken um, by, you know, just getting an example of pure evil. And it's unfortunate that we're living in days that seem to get darker, uh, more difficult, and in need of a Savior more than at any time, uh, any time ever before. And and so we're taking your calls and your questions. 303 690 3000. 303 690 3000 is the number. Give me a call. We got a couple open lines. I would love to talk to you um, and see what the Lord has to say. In relationship to His Word and what's on your mind, I do want to remind you that this weekend at Calvary Aurora, we're going to be sharing. I'm going to be sharing a very special message for our church family and also for our community because it our broad our services are always broadcast live online. We have a large online church audience uh, that tune in and. You can reach our online service uh, at calvaryaurora.org or uh, or the Calvary Aurora app or the Grace FM app. Our live services are there. We have services Saturday night at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And then on Grace FM, we broadcast live uh, our Saturday night service as well as our Sunday, second service, at ten forty five, And I'm going to be sharing a special message in light of the terror and the evil that we saw in Las Vegas and Orlando and so many other places around our country in the last few years, including Aurora five years ago. Uh, new Life uh, Church right up the street here in Colorado Springs experienced tragedy. And I'm going to be teaching a Bible study entitled a right response to sudden terror, and we're going to take some time to uh, get God's perspective on where we're to be and what we're to be doing. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's just pick up on the phone lines here. And line number one, Michael, uh, is calling. Michael, welcome to the program.
1: Well, good afternoon, Pastor, and God bless you. Thank you. Pastor, I have a question. I'm going to ask for a quick prayer too, but I have a question for you. It, during the earthly ministry of Jesus, he sent the, he sent he sent his disciples out twice in while well, in that in the, in the time he was walking the earth. The second time was when he sent out seventy, and the first time I think he only sent the twelve, and sent them out in teams. I was under the impression um that at some point a lot of a lot of his disciples walked away with him when he started talking about his body and blood uh, uh taking part in his body and blood uh I, which I knew he would meant symbolically, so can you shed some light on on those two occasions, and, and how many disciples he sent out a little bit?
0: Well, you the passage of Scripture that you're referencing, the time in Jesus' life when many of his disciples left him and followed him no more, is actually at the end of John chapter 6. And they did receive the words of Jesus as too hard to comprehend. Um, perhaps they were thinking that Jesus was advocating drinking blood, and eating flesh like the pagans were doing, which would been not only against the, the Mosaic law, against the Torah, but it would have been uh, lining lining up this new following uh, with the pagans. And they didn't get it, and the words were too hard for them, and they left him. Um, we don't know if they ever came back, uh, but we know that, that at that early on in the challenge of his ministry that many people did leave him. Um, and so Jesus did send on a couple of occasions his disciples out uh, to share the gospel two by two, uh, and I didn't. I don't know what your question was on that, but he certainly did do that. He sent out the well, seventy. My
1: my, well, my, my my question was: there's a reference to him sending out seventy at one time, in the, and then there was a, and then there, then they came, Then he sent before that he sent them out. Before that. Because I think it was you or one of the other pastors on the radio was talking about when they came back. Jesus set it up for them to find a to have some quiet time or some and to get some rest and to like uh, debrief them a little bit about uh-huh. what they what he what what what, what they did, uh, you know, or a yeah, report about what had what had occurred on on their journey. Another thing, a question I have is, um, how did they go out in the authority of Jesus if they had not received the power of the Holy Spirit yet through baptism?
0: Yeah, you don't you don't receive the authority of the Holy Spirit through baptism. Uh, you receive the authority of the Holy Spirit when you're born again, or the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it doesn't happen at baptism. Um, I know some. Some denominations teach that, but we wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that biblically. Um, Cornelius received the Holy Spirit before he was baptized, uh, and there's many other examples in the scriptures. So let me clarify that. Uh, What you're referring to is in Luke chapter 10. uh, He sent them out in his authority, and you know if Jesus sends you out, uh, you leave with his authority uh, and you leave with his power. Jesus's the 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 Godhead is omnipresent, so they were leaving with the power and the authority. Anything that they did was not in their own power, but in the power of God resting upon them and with them, uh, very much like the old covenant of the Spirit of God coming upon a person, and then at some, at some times the Holy Spirit leaves. Um, after John 21, when, they were, when, they, when the believers, the disciples, now that would be you and me, receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit doesn't leave us uh, and so that what you're referring to is in Luke chapter 10, through the first six verses, sixteen verses, uh, Jesus gives them the instructions of how to go. And then in chapter seven, in verse 17 of Luke 10, they return with joy and said, "Oh, the demons are subject to our name." And um, he said in verse 20, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Um, I still don't understand the question, but um, that's what's happening in Luke ten.
1: Oh well, that that basically, I was always under the impression that Jesus had a small following as, as far as disciples went in his in his ministry. Uh, that he didn't have a, a large following of disciples uh, a, after after uh-huh. a certain point. But that I
0: understand. Just... Okay, so let's let's think of it this way. Let's think of it that. Especially what we learned from John six, so I, I get your question now. Thank, thanks for so the more we talk, the more it comes out. Um, think of think of the people around Jesus as his apostles. There were twelve of them. There were many women that followed him. I think six or seven are actually named in the scripture. That puts it at nineteen. Here's a here's an Here's a chance to understand that um, that in verse one of Luke ten, it says the Lord appointed seventy others. So that tells us that there were more than 70 at this point because he appointed 70 others uh, and they were to go out. And then by the time we get to Luke, I mean, John chapter six, uh, you have many people following him because in Luke 66, it says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, don't think of disciple necessarily always being a technical word, of committed, fully. Uh, sometimes we'll use the word interchangeable with apostles, because an apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yes, it does. Yes.
0: Okay. So, so we know we it, know that the word that we know that the word disciple is a generic word that simply means learner. And so we know that there were multitudes uh, following Jesus. We know there were tons of people following him um, because on on at least two occasions we're given insight of him feeding four thousand and five thousand with women and children factored in. Right. You're talking multiple of thousands of people following him, uh, and. Some of them were, you know, we would refer to as multitudes, but some were really genuinely wanting to learn from him. And then some of them were closer, and they were really serving him and left all. These guys wouldn't leave all. They would leave they would leave what they were doing, follow him, and then go back to what they were doing. Whereas there was a group that were close to him that left everything, and then a larger group that were following him, and then a much larger group that were following him. So the disciples weren't necessarily full-blown believers uh, they were just wanting to learn from this new rabbi that showed up on the scene.
1: Okay, well, so it's basically my lack of understanding about about what you're you're talking about. It's just like it's just like my perception of the apostles and the saints of old. After after the time when Jesus went back to went back to the, to the Father after his death, it's. I've always, in the beginning of being a Christian, I always had the impression that the uh, that uh, that sounds foolish to say, but I always had the impression that uh, the, the apostles and those who chose to believe, who became leaders in the church, walked around with halos and didn't do anything wrong and were like super Christians. And I've and I've come to understand later on in life as a Christian that that's not the case. That these men were as human as I am, or you are, or anybody else was, and they had their times. As, as Paul was a good example of that when he was in prison a couple, at least once, uh, at least at least one time, and it, he was a little, he was concerned about the, the the future and stuff. So they they had the same issues and the same fears and concerns and stuff that we have uh, about life and what's going on.
0: That's a that's a revelation for you today. You. Through our question and our dialogue, God gave you a new revelation. You're absolutely right.
1: Well, I appreciate you uh, uh, talking to me, Pastor Ed. Uh, one quick prayer. Okay. I, I, I desire to be more attentive as a Christian, as a man, as a man of God. God gave, me, God gave me something a long time ago when I was trying to come back. And he and he put a desire in my heart to be to be to be that righteous and holy man that he wants me to be. Okay. But you know, battling my flesh and everything that I deal with and stuff, it's oh, I'll tell you what, sometimes it's a battle that I just it's the same thing, like like I'm climbing a, 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 a on a steep hill, fighting an entire army, try trying to get to that place sometimes.
0: Well, let's pray, brother, because I think that's a con- that's more common than than you you realize. Although God's opening your eyes, that it's a battle for everyone. It's a battle for all of us, and we're all in a different place, of course. But it does feel uphill sometimes, and it is uphill sometimes. Dying, you know the 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 ultimate the, the ultimate thing that God wants to bring us to is to dying to ourself, to laying our lives down before God, trusting Him with our lives. Uh, and dying to self is a very hard, difficult thing to do. So let me pray for you, and uh, let's see how God will answer that in our lives. And so I pray for my brother God as he uh, is growing in your grace and in your knowledge. I know that Michael calls frequently because you have him in the Word so much, and he's wanting to learn and grow. And and we all, Lord, I learn and grow from his questions as I process the answer and look to the Scriptures. and. Uh, I know that others listening in do too. And so I, I pray you'd help him on this uphill battle at times. Um, he understands fully what you asked, Jesus. You said that if anyone wants to follow you, that they need to deny themselves, take up the cross and follow you. And And so as he takes, as he sets his life in that direction, would you please enable him and strengthen him and fill him with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen, Pastor. I want to say one more thing, and then I'll let you get to the, back to the other lines. I'm a homeless man. I live in my car. You know this. I've, I've talked. I've spoke to you before about this, and God's answered my prayers. Even and if I wasn't a homeless man, and if I had all, big money and a, and a job paying me well beyond what I needed, I find myself in a place right now where you know what my life, my life, and all that I have. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It's just flash. It's just stuff. My life belongs to God. And everything that I have, the, the meager of stuff that I do have, that belongs to God, too. So really it really doesn't matter what what I think or what I want to do. It's really what God's will is. My life belongs to Him. I mean, everything I have and that I am belongs to Him.
0: Amen. I agree. Thanks, Michael. God bless you, bye Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Yes, it's Friday, and yes, Pastor Eric is away this afternoon. He's actually here at his church. He's hosting, along with his pastoral team and ministry team here at Rocky Mountain Calvary, they're hosting our regional pastors and leaders conference called Refresh. And so he's out and about ministering, serving, and... And I'm also here with many from our fellowship for this conference, and I have the privilege of sitting in uh, and hosting on his behalf. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor at Calvary in Aurora. Taking your calls and questions, we're going to move right on to line number two is Cameron calling from right here in Colorado Springs. Cameron, uh, welcome hey, to the program.
2: Thank you very much. I, I just wanted to say I, I appreciate uh, what you're doing, and uh, I listen to you. I listen to uh, Nehemiah, pretty much every one of them. And, saw you speak with, um, I think it was First Kings that you were speaking on at your church, and uh, it's been fantastic, so I appreciate what you you do.
3: Um, Thank you.
2: So I've been reading some uh, devotionals on the Bible app and and that sort of thing. It was, uh, um, I think it was Francis Chan that did, it was one called uh, Racing Hell, and I was listening yesterday uh, when you were speaking to somebody, at least I think it was you, and it was yesterday, uh, they're all kind of getting mixed in now, but it was with regard to uh, judgment. Um, so we we accept Christ into our lives, and that gives us the opportunity to get to heaven. But um, there's also judgment that happens in heaven, and I, I'm thinking of the passage from. And help me out with this. I, I think it's Matthew, but it's um, we we've cast out demons and we save people in your name, and and then God says, "Yeah, but I don't know you," and. And then there was the other part about, uh, you're neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out of my mouth, or I vomit you out of my mouth. So my question is, is there potential for us to accept Jesus into our hearts, go to heaven, but not uh, receive everything in heaven, or is—do you follow what I'm saying?
0: I do. Uh, let's 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 simplify the question and take it from another angle. Um, there are two main judgments in eternity after after we die. The first judgment is known as the Great White Throne Judgment, and this is where every unbeliever, those that rejected Jesus throughout their the entirety of their life on earth, will give account for their life and be sent away from the presence of God for all of eternity. Yes. Uh, believers do not stand at the great, great white throne judgment. Uh, only unbelievers. The second judgment that's mentioned in Second Corinthians chapter five is known as the bema seat judgment. The bema seat is Greek for it was it was a literal uh, place where the judges stood in the main city square, uh, and they would judge matters in the city. It's also the bema seat was also a place where. Olympic athletes would go to receive their rewards, uh, and or to be disqualified uh, from their from the race and what they were involved in. And the Bema seat is for believers, and it's at the Bema seat that all that we've done for Christ or in Christ will be judged. Um, it's Second Corinthians chapter five. Let me get there for you, and I believe it starts. Um, it says in verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all, and he's speaking to believers here, so they all is a qualifier, he's speaking to a church, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well-known to God, and I also trust you are well-known in your consciences. And the Bema Seat is a place where you also will, uh, in another place in 1 Corinthians 13, um, Jesus, um, Paul is recorded as saying in verse 11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on his foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw— Verse 13, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he receives a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved so as yet through fire.
2: Oh, great. I think that answers it for me.
0: So 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5 is the Bema Seat. And if you go to our website or our app, I've taught on both these sections. Uh, and so you can get the Bible studies for them. And then the great oh, white awesome. throne judgment is what unbelievers. And so I think that one, uh, because the I believe the Godhead will be at the great right throne. I believe the one where Jesus is recorded as saying, I never knew you is actually the great white throne judgment.
2: Good Hey fantastic. I, I'll go in. Can you give me a, a tip on how to find it How do I search for it in the app?
0: Okay so the, the best that you did the, on it The best way to search for anything is by the scripture. So find the study I think it said there's a tab that says studies and then New Testament then first Corinthians and then chapter three and then second Corinthians awesome. chapter 5 the best way to search through our studies is by the actual sc- uh, passage reference
2: Perfect. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate everything you've done and uh, appreciate the time talking to you.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Bye. 30, bye-bye. 303-690-3000, taking your calls, taking your questions. So glad that you've joined this afternoon. Let me get to a couple of text questions. There was a text question about... Um, Calvary Chapel Association and Calvary Chapel Global Network. Uh, I'll take that if you call, because I'd rather dialogue about that. Uh, There's not much to say about it, but we can talk about it. Um, We're going to pray for um, Elizabeth, who is 16, and she is addicted to heroin and meth and and around the wrong people. So, Father, we we lift up uh, Elizabeth, and we pray that you would deliver her from the addiction to drugs especially these people that are influencing her. I think of another young lady, I won't name her, but you know who she is, um, who has been under the influence of things and people, of wrong people for a long time now, Lord. And it's been wearying and tiring for her parents. And I just pray for her. We love her so much. And it breaks our heart to watch this happen right before our eyes. And so would you lift up, we lift up these two young ladies and their families. Would you deliver, God, that we might have a testimony of your deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the next, another text question. What, Why doesn't the church, uh, Christian church practice any of the festivals that are seen in the Bible? Festivals were given in the Old Covenant relationship with the Jews, and that makes them optional for the church. Uh, they're not mandated. The reason the Old Testament and the Jewish people, um, uh, they exer- they celebrate them today is because they're mandated in the Old Covenant. Uh, they're all pointing toward Jesus Christ, and to, to celebrate them today is optional, and some people do. Uh, we have some good Messianic believers love to to celebrate them in and, and various factions of the church, but they're not mandated to celebrate, so we don't celebrate them. Here's another one. Hi, Pastor Ed. I love listening to Calvary Live. I was wondering if you have any future plans to have a call-in show just for teens and young adults. It seems like so many young people have feelings of hopelessness and they need to know that Jesus cares about where they are in life. The answer is yes. Yes, we do have plans. We've actually talked about it for a while now, and now it's just going to be a matter of of executing it. So please, please pray for this show that's going to be aimed at junior hires, high schoolers, and young adults. Uh, we definitely, definitely, definitely want to do that, but we need Your prayers. Would you please pray with us on that? Uh, Here's a text that says, God bless you, Pastor Eric. And I agree with you. Pastor Eric is a a phenomenal man of God. Uh, Love him. And he is doing such a great, great job uh, in the ministry. Uh, He and Amber and their children serving faithfully. Uh, here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. By the way, we're broadcasting today live from Rocky Mountain Calvary Chapel in Colorado Springs right here on Academy Boulevard. Uh, Rocky Mountain is hosting the Refresh Conference. That's our regional Calvary Chapel Pastors and Leaders Conference. And we're all here. He's out, busy uh, overseeing the ministry and, and supporting and encouraging. So I'm here with our church family, uh, many in our church family, and I'm going. Uh, st- I stepped in to fill in for him so he could have the Friday off, and that we would not um, broadcast a um, what do you call it? An encore. We don't want to do an encore. Even Jeff Figgs is here. He could have stepped in as well. Uh, and so, thanks for these text questions. Uh, we'll get to some of them after the break. We're coming up on the break. I want to invite you to Calvary Aurora this weekend. Uh, we're going to be, st- I'm stepping out. I mean, we just finished the Gospel of John. We were going to start a new series. And in some ways, I'm sure this ser- this Bible study will fit. But it's a right response to sudden terror. Uh, because of the tragedy in Las Vegas, I believe uh, as a pastor, it's my responsibility to speak the Word of God into this tragedy and such a series of tragedies and darkness in our country. And it just it was just five years ago that the theater shooting happened in the theater right up uh, the street from our church. Uh, and this is a similar message that I shared back then. I want to repeat it. So come on out to Calvary Roar, Saturday night, six o'clock, Sunday, 845, 1045. This is Calvary Live, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live, Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to today's edition of Calvary Live. Taking your calls and taking your questions. It's good that you've joined us this afternoon. Uh, I am sitting in for Eric, and he is hosting here at Rocky Mountain Calvary the 2017 refresh conference, the regional conference, Calvary Chapel leaders, pastors, leaders, ministry workers conference. And so I am able to sit in for him while instead of airing an encore, which is always good. And I'm taking your calls. We have an open line 303 690 3000. 303 690 3000 is the number. Text to me 720 Three three six zero eight nine seven three zero oh, seven two zero. Oh, is this is only texting? Three three six zero eight nine seven. Call me to get on the line. Three zero oh, three six nine zero three thousand. Uh, we had Brent. It looks like he dropped off, and he had a question that said, "Date." I'm sure it was something along the lines of, uh, "Is it okay to date a woman that's not divorced due to abuse but separated?" The answer is no. We don't date married women. We encourage married women to wait on the Lord uh, for their husbands to repent. We encourage uh, married women to pray and give God a chance to change their husbands. Uh, we encourage married women to stay away from single men. Uh, it is not you, married people cannot date. Um, that's that's the the essence of it. Uh, Don't misunderstand me. I would not encourage uh, an abused, especially physical abuse woman, to stay in the same home and to continue to be abused. Certainly that person needs to be in a place of safety. Um, But no, you do not date a divorced woman. Uh, Is it possible to be saved and never live for God? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible to be saved and have no fruit of salvation because Jesus said that there would be fruit from a good tree and a person that's born again would be considered a good tree and a good tree is going to bear good fruit. So the question, the answer to that is, I don't think it's possible to be saved and never live for God. Uh, Here's another one. I know God hates divorce, so let's stop there. I'm going to read this text, but let's stop there. I know God hates divorce. Yes. And then the text goes on with the word but. And now, now here comes the essence of what you're feeling. But why if both not happy for five years, always arguing, fighting, disrespecting, can't even be in the same room with each other when he goes in one room and I leave to another. Um, I don't even enjoy intimacy. Um, and, and God, I want to leave. And God tells me I made vows to God. And why can't I? Why can't I divorce? Well, because you did make a vow to God, and and one of you, really both of you, need to die to yourself. But one of you needs to die to yourself, and it sounds like you're the one that God has your attention. And I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and it it is harder than hard. I'm I haven't. This is one of the areas in my life that I've never lived, and I'm not able to speak to you from this perspective although Marie and I have argued and we've had some really serious ones, even as a pastor, we have a normal marriage. Um, but, but I haven't, haven't been this far where I've wanted to divorce. Um, we've had our bad days, even when we weren't saved and and she did want to divorce me before I wasn't, we weren't saved. Um, but, or before we were saved, but here's the deal. Um, I know God hates divorce and he hates it for the, the damage that it does. And you guys need to stop arguing and stop fighting and stop disrespecting each other. Um, you just—if you're arguing and fighting—that means both of you are doing it, and most likely both of you are disrespecting one another. And it would be good for you uh, to. And I'm trying to think. Um, I can't really tell if this is a male or a female, um, but whoever, who, whatever it is, male or female, you need to submit. To, you need to submit to the Lord uh, and die to yourself. Uh, and. Die to yourself. Here's a great question. We'll get back to the phone lines in a moment. This is a good one. What makes Calvary Chapel unique? Well, some things make Calvary unique, and some things Calvary Chapel is like any other church. Um, I can only tell you what we do, and whether it makes us unique or not uh, is really up to whatever community that we're in. But some of the distinctives that we have in our church churches is that. We believe in, a, uh, in teaching the whole Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, from Genesis to Revelation, and so we're committed to doing that. Secondly, we, we, we believe that we're to be culturally relevant with the gospel, and while the, the message never changes, the methodologies that we use to reach the next generation must change. We believe in contemporary worship, which many churches have picked that up. But but worship that glorifies God, not worship that you know we're not playing uh, Led Zeppelin and we're not playing what are, some of the popular pop songs, so we can attract people with pop songs. We're, we're going to be worshiping God, uh, and and with relevant music that is consistent for the day. There's even a mix. You know, every cha- Calvary's different in that respect. Um, but we we sing contemporary songs. We also sing hymns at Calvary Aurora. Many of my friends do as well. And uh, what's some other things? We believe in the uh, pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church. Uh, We are continuationists, and what that means, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Although we are not um, hyper-Pentecostal, we're not also hyper-conservative. In some ways, we're trying to strike a balance in our theology. But over the years, I found that Uh, many other churches are adopting these very things as well. And I I would say, amen, amen. Teach the Bible, churches, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, Be relevant in your communication of the gospel to the culture. Um, Be open to the uh, leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And so in some ways, Calvary chapels um, haven't—many other churches are doing the same things now. Praise God. But I I think that— just like any family, we all have families—moms, dads, brothers, sisters, cousins. But some families are unique, and you know we don't require um, seminary education. I don't have a seminary education. God chooses to use the foolish things of the world, so we don't have a hierarchy. Um, we we also are not um, elder or committee led. We're pastor led churches uh, that are supported by many elders and pastors to fulfill the vision of God through the senior pastor, or now sometimes they're calling him the lead pastor. Um, But Calvary Chapel is, um, is a great movement of churches. We're all autonomous, so each Calvary Chapel is going to be different a little bit in their own way, and we say amen. Some Calvaries aren't even calling themselves Calvaries anymore. Praise God, that's fine. Let's seek the Lord and see what he has for us. Amen? All right, I am so sorry, Tamara, you uh, dropped off. So let me answer your question to some degree because uh, Frank put down your question. You have a question about the gifts and how do you identify your gifts? That's a really good question. So if you're still listening, Tamara, call me back uh, so that we can dialogue over this. But but let me answer it in general for you because there are primarily three reasons uh, why people don't know what their spiritual gift is. Uh, Or gifts, because I believe everyone has been given at least one gift, and many have been given multiple gifts. You have a primary gift, but then God is—you know—he's always manifesting Himself in our lives, and and so there there are three reasons uh, why I think we don't know our spiritual gifts. Uh, One of them is that we just don't know the gifts, like even those that are listening right now. If I asked you, tell me where the spiritual gifts are listed in the Bible, you, you don't know, and, and I'll give them to you. Uh, the spiritual gifts, the seven primary spiritual gifts, the motivational gifts, are listed in Romans chapter 12. And every believer has been given one of those gifts, at least one. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a listing of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit will come along to enhance the spiritual gifts, and empower you in a particular way, like a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, like the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, So number one, people don't know what your gift is. Number two, you may not think you have a spiritual gift or you don't know what your gift is because you've tried to use one in the past and you, you failed or you made a mistake or it didn't happen the way you thought it would happen and now you're discouraged in it. Like for example, maybe you felt like you had the gift of teaching, then you taught and people laughed at you because you, they felt like you didn't do well, even though you were perfectly faithful and now you don't want to teach anymore because who wants to be made fun of? I get it. So you're discouraged and now you don't want to teach anymore. But the reality is this teaching is a spiritual gift and it's also, it's also a craft to be developed. There's two things you learn how to communicate, but then God gives you the supernatural ability to make the Bible understandable. So at any rate, that's sometimes people thought they had a gift, they tried to use it, and then they discouraged. And the third one that's not so popular, um, people won't be so happy with this one, but people don't know their spiritual gifts because they're lazy or disobedient, and they just don't want to be used. Uh, They don't, they they just don't want to, um, they don't want to be used. So, the reality is uh, that God wants you to know your gifts. He wants you to exercise your gifts. He wants you to uh, enjoy his presence in your life. And I would encourage you on our app and on our website, we did a series on spiritual gifts where I went through every single one of them. I gave introduction on the presence, the power and the personal Holy Spirit and I went through Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse by verse. And I I I I can't guarantee because I don't know you personally, but I strongly believe that you will know your spiritual gift if you just listen to the seven studies in Romans. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I think technically we're back online. So, James, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Something just happened, James, and I lost you, but I think you're back now.
4: Hey, Pastor. Hey, uh, real quick. Uh, is there a book out there? that can explain to me better about uh, the image of uh, when God made us out of his image. And the uh, next one is Conscience, Soul, and Spirit. Is there one book out there?
0: Hmm. That is a great question. I, th- I know that Norman Geisler deals with this in his Systematic Theology. And systematic. you can get that on—you on, on you can get that for um, used— you can buy it new, but I also know there's a lot of used copies out there. It's actually five volumes, uh his systematic theology and the systematic the the, the his his chapter on man is powerful. It's powerful.
4: How you spell his that name last name, Pastor? G E I S L E R. Okay. Guess we're in the first
0: name, you might as well get that. Norm M N like Nancy O R M is in Mary.
4: Okay, and uh, that's systematic theology.
0: Yeah, it's called uh, his systematic theology. It's five volumes. But if if you look it up and you see the volumes, uh, the volume that speaks of man, uh, that that will answer your question.
3: Thank you, sir.
4: Have a nice one.
0: Okay, thanks. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Uh, taking your calls and your question and we have open lines open lines 3036903000 and we're coming up we got 15 more minutes so come on so i i am typing back a response here to someone um On texting. Sometimes we get to do that. But we're waiting for your calls 303 690 3000. We had some kind of technical problem. I don't know what happened, but I'm not going to move. I'm not going to touch any wires. I don't think it was me because all the flashing lights are still flashing. Uh, And so if you're listening in, give me a call 303 690 3000. Um, Here is a question here. What does it say? Sacrifice to idols. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says don't sacrifice things to idols. Um, what Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 8 uh, is saying that eating meat that's sacrificed to idols, because you know an idol is nothing. Like if you have friends that are pagans and you want to go to their house to eat, uh, it's like you know that whatever they did to the meat doesn't matter. But when you when you have people over to eat uh, and you found you know that they are sensitive in their conscience, you don't want to stumble them. Uh, you don't want to do something that you know will cause them great grief, so you're going to buy meat that you know wasn't sacrificed to idols so that when you when they ask you, you can say, no, I got it at this market over here. Um, but, you know, we really don't have that today. What we have today is things like drinking, uh, things like marijuana, where I can make strong biblical arguments that you sh- we shouldn't do that um, for a variety of reasons. Um, at the very least, we stay away from things that would stumble people because. We don't want to stumble, people. Yeah, but I have the freedom to do it. You have the freedom to do a lot of things that you choose not to do. You have the freedom not to rub poison ivy all over your body, but and you don't do that. You have the freedom to uh, wear certain clothes, but you don't do that. Uh, you have—I mean, you—you you could think of a thousand freedoms. You have the freedom to quit your job and live under a bridge, but you don't do that. So why not, in some of these other things, choose to exercise your freedom in a way? that would glorify God and just stay away from stumbling people. Um, And, you know, ultimately we're all going to answer to the Lord for that. So, you know, I don't judge people for operating in the gray area. It's between you and the Lord. But, you know, we have to make our decisions wisely uh, and be careful uh, that God uses us in a way. Here's another text question as we wait for some calls to come in. Crystal from New Jersey says, Can you pray that Eddie, my husband, would put his trust in Jesus? And that we would start serving God as a family with our kids. He just started a new job. And the man he's shadowing knows biblical things and God's softening his heart. So, Lord, we do pray for Eddie as you have surrounded him with people, where you have surrounded him with people that are lovers of you. And that can't help but... Uh, that can't help but bring him to a place of learning of your of your love, um, learning of your sacrifice, um, learning that you will be used in such a way in his life, God, that would draw him to you so that this family, Eddie and Crystal, could start serving you together, God. And so we pray that... We pray that you would apprehend his heart and Crystal would text us back or call us back one day saying my son my husband got saved. Eddie is saved. Serving the Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, we've got a phone call coming up on line one is David. David, welcome to the program, calling from Aurora, Colorado. How you doing? Good, man. What's up?
3: I uh my question is um uh, this past weekend uh and I encourage Christians to uh Keep fighting and praying because the principality prince of darkness, powers or powers of the darkness of this world it's real, and I went through a lot this past weekend with one thing after another after another after another, and that um, just keep praying and pray for those that are trying to you know harm you for those for their salvation. That's the way I combat it, but my other question is. Satan doesn't—he can't be in one place at one time, right? I mean, he can't be more in one place, but he has demons that work for him, right? Am I correct? That's because correct. I don't, don't know—I'm not sure where the Bible talks about that. But the other thing is I don't think Satan can be in one place and another at the same time either.
0: Yeah, there's a couple places. First of all, you're right. Satan is a created being. He's a fallen, rebellious angel right. of the angelic class. and right. You remember, Jesus had an interesting conversation uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Uh, that he, it says, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, <clears throat> and he healed him, so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons, except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to him, uh, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and Beelzebub is just another name for the devil. Mm. Uh, Jesus uses the word Satan here. So this is the clearest indication that that the demonic realm that followed Satan, a third of the angels that fell with him, uh, are under his authority. There's another place that speaks of the demonic realm where it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this evil age. Right. Uh, and the idea, that's in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, right. verse 12, and the idea behind the words principalities and powers has an idea of orderliness, of rank and order like the military. Right. Uh, yep. And, yep. and so putting those two together, I think it's safe to say that the devil... Is the head of the demonic realm?
3: Right. Yep. Yep. You're correct. Yep. I know that. And the closer you get to God, the more that He tries to uh, dis, you know, to disarray you because you're a threat to Him. As you, you know, put out the word of, you know, Jesus is a savior. And he is a blessing to the that believe in Him. Yes. And he tries to manipulate that, and, you know, it, of course you can't. I mean, if you're he, he willing to have him to the will, then that's his will. But the thing is, you don't let his will. You you have him move away, but when those right. fiery darts come at you, I encourage Christians just to, you know, keep praying God will give you grace to get you through this, and he will bless you. Yes, minute. he will. And I'm, I'm seeing that right now, but I went through a lot, and I was just, man, I was just, ooh, I needed a prayer that day with somebody. <laughs> mm. You know, up to even Monday. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I I would just want to pray for me because and my family that we continue to be blessed, and then we just continue to, you know, because Satan is around and he's real and he wants to take everybody. And that's that's what's happening with this world right now, because he wants because the end is coming.
0: Great. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray for my brother David. uh, Who who has been in the fire Lord he's had the fiery darts of the enemy come against him and I pray that you'd protect him your word says that anyone uh, that would even want to um, live a godly life will suffer persecution and 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 it, you know we press forward and we want to do things according to your word according to your will and mm-hmm. I pray God that you would protect him and everyone else listening in uh, it is it's powerful it's powerful that, that we would be able to serve you uh, and we would be able to submit our lives to you and be used by you so be with my brother Lord strengthen him in Jesus name Amen Amen, Amen.
3: Thank
0: you brother Alright bro bye bye Three zero three six nine zero three thousand 3000 is the number taking your calls and your questions we're going to move on to Stuart calling from Fort Lupton Colorado Stuart welcome to the program
4: Hello, how are you today?
0: I'm good, how are you?
4: I am good. All right, here's my question. Um, I've been thinking about this now about the past week, and it's about the holiness of God. Now, I have to apologize. I read my Bible a lot, but I don't always pay attention to the addresses. And the other day, God was calling to mind where he said, be you holy, just as I am holy. Now, I've heard discussion as to what it means to be holy, from other people and they say it means to be set apart to God. Now if that's the case then what does that say about the holiness of God?
0: What does what say about the holiness of God?
4: Well, if he's saying be holy as I am holy, and if being yes. holy means being set apart to God, then what is that saying? Is that saying that God that we should be set apart to God just like he's set apart to us? Or it's gotta mean something more, right?
0: Well, the reality of, of a phrase like that is is a is is a reflection of the high calling of God in our lives. Um, Peter mentions this phrase in one Peter chapter one verse sixteen, uh, and verse verses fifteen and sixteen. You know, as he who has called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And and so there is a sense of living out the holiness of God in our lives. And again, at the end of At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself, let me pull that up here, Jesus himself has um, a lot to say where he wants us to understand that the calling of our lives, the kingdom life, is one of righteousness and holiness. It's not one of turning the things of God into what we want them to be. He says, and it's actually in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 48, he says, "...therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." And I believe the intention of these teachings, both in Peter and in Jesus, is to remind us that we are wholly incapable of living out the holiness of God. It's impossible. It's impossible. That's an impossibility, and I believe Jesus wanted to bring that out, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because the, the reality of a life lived for Christ is not something we can do on our own. Uh, it, is, it, it requires us to submit ourselves, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. And that is the essence of the holiness. God is holy in every way you can define that word. Untouched by sin, um, which is probably the key to, to holiness, sinless. He's set apart from sin. Uh, he's not tempted by sin. He doesn't author sin. Like, like he. When we die and we take on our new bodies, we're going to be holy like he's holy. Until then, as we live out our lives in submission to the Holy Spirit that lives in us, we'll have our holy moments. You know, we'll have our moments that are uh, encouraging to us, um, but. The reality is is it is a reminder for us to submit our lives to Him uh, and to give ourselves wholly over to Him.
4: Okay. I'm speechless. I don't really know what to say. Chew on it and call back. That is an awesome answer. Thank you.
0: Yeah, chew on it. Chew on it and call back next week, and let's talk a little bit more as God brings the nuance out of such a high and holy thing, you know, living in the West, in our Western culture, living here in the United States, all of us, myself included, have been guilty of making Christianity something that Jesus never intended. I don't mean all of it, but there, we have had times where we've reduced something, we've reduced Christianity to something less than what he desires. He wants us to live holy, you know, kind of like the text that we got earlier. I know God hates divorce, but— no no that that that's a high calling. God says no live holy in that marriage. You hang on. You you continue on. You you live with my strength. You pray. You die to yourself. But we are just so unwilling to die to ourselves in so many ways that we are missing out. And I say we, I'm not I use that as an example, but there are other things that we could use in our own lives as examples that would require us to Uh, to really die to ourselves, that we might experience the fullness of Jesus.
4: I get that. And, you know, it seems the closer you get to God, it seems like the more attack you come under.
0: I would even add this, and I agree. The the longer we walk with Jesus, and even the closer we get with Jesus, we realize just how sinful we are. We realize, Uh, you would think... uh, You would think after walking with Jesus for 25 years, we'd be doing better at it than than we were 25 years ago. And in some ways, I'm sure we are. But in other ways, our eyes are open to just how wretched and depraved we can be and how how desperate we must be for the things of the Lord. Hey, I got to go because we're coming up on the end of the show, but thanks for calling, brother.
4: You have a good day, man.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, I want to remind you guys: come out to Calvary Aurora tomorrow. It's to something you should you can invite your friends and family. If you're you're not close, you're listening online or or on the app, you can listen live to our services. But we're going to be sharing. I'm going to be sharing a special message in God's Word, a sudden, a, a right response to sudden terror, and all the information is available at CalvaryAurora.org or on our app or even on the Grace FM app. Pray for those that are out here, the hundreds that are here for the refresh conference. Uh, at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Um, So good to be here uh, to see what God's doing around our region and what he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. May the Lord bless you and encourage you. And wherever you go to church, get serious about the things of God. And Lord willing, we'll be back next week. God bless you. Love you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.